uh, we begin um, with 1 Timothy 2.5. There's only one God and one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. And we've been speaking on the subject of the heavenly manhood of Christ. Uh, haven't really preached a message on that. We've talked about it extensively. Uh, I've made my views known on that in different times and different subjects that we've talked about, but thought we would uh, just kind of go through this all the way through some things that uh, at least I hope that the Lord has taught me. Um, but anyway, last week we began looking and seeing that the Lord Jesus Christ in assuming this role as mediator between God and man, uh, he had to have taken on flesh. He had to become man because uh, it speaks that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Jesus Christ, but not just a man, a man who is fully man, but also fully God. The only way he can mediate between God is to be God, and the only way he can mediate to man is to be man, so he is the God-man. And ever since that this um, mediation has been, the Lord Jesus has obviously been in that role. Uh, I don't, as I mentioned last week, I don't uh, dare to uh, try to peek into all the wonders of God and how it took place and when it took place. Obviously, it took place before the foundation of the yes. world. We're taught that. Uh, but how it happens in eternity when there is no time, we don't know. But obviously there was a succession of this because God is a spirit and is invisible. And God took on flesh and was manifested. The Bible says that a body was prepared for him, that he was made into the likeness of uh, his uh, brethren. And so at, there was a point that he assumed that. Matter of fact, we see in Psalms where the Bible says, that, or Proverbs, I guess it was, uh, where uh, he speaks of he was possessed uh, in the beginning of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see that before any of the mountains were made, before anything was made, right. the Lord possessed him, uh, took possession of his body. He indwelt him. He came into him. Uh, we know that the Bible says that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. I believe that they are one in Christ Jesus. How is God one God? He's one God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is God, manifested in the flesh. And so we looked last week and we've seen how Christ has assumed these roles and how that Christ existed in a manhood. And I don't, and and like I said last week, I don't even fully understand that either. Mm -hmm. Uh, What kind of manhood, what kind of flesh, what kind of body that was, I'm not fully aware of that and no I know it's different than what it was whenever he came and he died uh, I know it was different than what it was yeah. uh, that that body was different than what it was after he resurrected mm-hmm. and whatever body that was whenever he ascended right. back to the glory that he had with the father and we looked at that in uh, John 1 1 that he was God and was with God mm-hmm. well he was with God in that form he was with God, but he was God because God was indwelling. Yeah. How can he be with God and was God at the same time other than the fact of him being made man? And so the invisible God, who is a spirit, uh, was also animating a body Amen. who was Christ Jesus. So God, who the heavens of heavens cannot contain, was present in spirit but yet manifested in flesh. And how that works, Paul said, great is the mystery of God, that God was in flesh. That is a great mystery. And so for everybody who disagrees with the things that I'm preaching last week and this week, you say it's a mystery, I say it's a mystery too. So how can you say your mystery is more clear than my mystery? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, with that being said, uh, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, I'll try not to backtrack too far with what we talked about last week, but you can go back and watch it if you didn't see it last week. Uh, 1 Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, one passage of scripture here says, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, right. the firstborn, yeah. the firstborn of every creature. Now, if Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was a lot of people born before him. 
So it isn't speaking about that. It's speaking about another birth. Mm-hmm. It was him taking on flesh. He is the firstborn of every creature. We see in Revelation, as we read last week in Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus is the first creation of God. Are you saying, preacher, that Jesus was created? The man Jesus, the body, the the manhood of Christ, yes, was created. The body was prepared or was made for him. It didn't eternally exist. Christ in his deity has always existed. God, who is spirit, is eternal and has always been. But there was a point where God made a body, prepared a body, and inhabited that body and manifested himself in flesh. And that happened before the foundation of the world. So, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And where we left off kind of last week was talking about how in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And whenever he created man, he said, let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. If you look throughout the scriptures, there's only two or three places where the image of God is talked about. And in every place, if we take that part in Genesis, the other two places that it's found in scripture is speaking of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the one who has made God known. If you've seen God, you've seen him in the face of Jesus Christ. So all of who God is is manifested or is shown to his creation through the man Jesus Christ. How have we beheld God? We have beheld God in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus has made him known or has manifested him to us. So with that being said, if we are made in the image of God, the only place that we find that is talking about the man the embodiment of God, which is Jesus Christ. And so I believe that that's what that talks about in Genesis. And so we talked about Jesus Christ being the image of God, and that any time that God is ever seen by man, it is in Jesus Christ. And so I left off last week and told you that this week we're going to look and see some things that Jesus said, and then we're going to go back and see how through all the scripture that we see Jesus manifested as God to his people. Now we learn a few things that God has told us, and most of the times we go to Revelation and we think that this verse is talking about something in the future that is going to take place. But actually, brethren, I believe that this has been from ever ever since the beginning. But if you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. Now remember, the New Testament tells us that all the things that happened in the Old Testament, all those things were written for us, for, for, for us to know. And for us to know what? Well, it's for us to know Christ. All those things that was in the Old Testament, all the types, the foreshadows, all the priesthood, all the sacrifices, all the tabernacle imagery, all the priest imagery, all the things of adornment on the priest, all the things that God did, even the very actions of people, their names, where they come from, where they went to, all those things were types and foreshadows to point us to Jesus Christ. All that was about Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the volume of the book, it's about Him. All things are about Christ from beginning to end. Okay? And so whenever we look in Exodus, if you would, look at verse 45. It says, as a matter of fact, let's go back and it says in verse 43, it says, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Brethren, are we not sanctified by Christ Jesus? Yes. Who is the glory of God? Are we not His tabernacle? Yes. The tabernacle not made with hands? Are we not a spiritual tabernacle unto God? Lively stones that have been built 
to inhabit the indwelling God. He says, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory, and I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation. Hello? I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation. There was a church in the Old Testament. It wasn't like the New Testament church, and it doesn't have the rules and regulations that the New Testament church has, but it was a gathered assembly that God had gathered together. Yes. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons. That would be Christ and us, right? Are we not sons of Christ? Are we not his seed? And God has blessed him with all spiritual blessings. And in him we have all spiritual blessings. Ephesians chapter 1. And Aaron was anointed as the priest. And we too have been made priest unto God. Yes. But look here in verse 45. This is what I was wanting to get to. It says, And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. So in the physical sense, God is promising that he would dwell with the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. In the spiritual sense, God is dwelling with us by his spirit. But here in the Old Testament, when we're looking at the physical things that was going on, that actually was happening, actual happenings, God said he would dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. It was the Lord their God that brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why? Because he was with them Yes, in the land of Egypt. Bring them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. He didn't say dwell in them. He said dwell among them. Now I believe that he dwelt in them if they were his. The Bible said that if if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not right. none of His. Yeah. Uh, is it uh, is it in Peter that talks about how they uh, how the prophets sought to look for Christ by the Spirit that was in them? Yeah. yeah, the Spirit was in them, but here it says that He would be among them. I am the Lord their God. Now we see the same verbiage being used by God in Revelation chapter twenty one. If you'll look there. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Brethren, we have the same verbiage in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, that in every generation, in every age, that God has dwelt with His people. Christ came and dwelt with us in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. but yet there came a time where in flesh He ceased to dwell, but He sent His Spirit, who was Him, John 14, clearly identifies the comforter that was sent was Christ, mm-hmm. but it was Christ in spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now mm-hmm. some people want to get into three separate persons, but Jesus said, I will send you another comforter, but he said, I will come to you. I will Amen. come. I will come. Mm-hmm. How did he come? By his spirit. Okay? So Jesus is still dwelling with his people even today. Yes. But he did... Physically, in the Old Testament. Now, with that being the backdrop, God is uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So, whenever God is ever seen, He is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So, if anybody ever yes. sees God, it's Jesus that they're seeing. Amen. Jesus existed in the Old Testament because He said He would be with His people. We'll see here shortly right. that He would be with His people and among His people. And in the New Testament, we see that he did come and he did dwell among men and he did come and do all that the Father had given him to do and he completed it. And then he sent himself back to his people so that they would not be left comfortless, so they would not be left without a counselor. Remember, I mentioned last week uh, in that passage in Isaiah uh, where it talks about Jesus, where it says that he is the wonderful counselor. Mm-hmm. That's the same as a comforter. What is a counselor? Who, what does a counselor do? 
a counselor, someone who comes and listens to what's going on to you to give you, you know, advice to help you uh, through Amen. things. That's Amen. what a counselor does. Well, what what is what is the Holy Spirit come to do? He's a comforter. Yes. He's come to counsel Christ to us. Amen. He's come to counsel the gospel to us, to counsel us in the fact that Christ has done everything on our behalf. Amen. He's come to give us that assurance of faith, that assurance of hope that we have been made the children of God. Amen. That all the Promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And if we are his children, which he also testifies to, we're it. That's what a comforter does. That's what a counselor does. So whenever the Bible says that he, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, that speaks of God in the spirit. That speaks of Christ. Whenever it says that he is the mighty God, that speaks of Jehovah. That speaks of God in that, that, Invisible spirit that, again, the heavens of heavens can't contain, that has always existed, that always is, that who he revealed his name to Abraham, I am Almighty God. Yeah. Or not Abraham, uh, to, uh, yeah, to Abraham as Almighty God. But to Moses, he said, I am Jehovah. That's Jesus. Amen. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the God who has declared all things, decreed all things, predestined all things, has laid out everything, and Christ is his servant. Mm-hmm. Being that God has manifested himself. Who is the only one who is worthy to do the work of God? It's Christ. Mm-hmm. This is the work of God. But you believe. Christ came to do the works that God had given him to do. And I know some people have different eschatologies among us, but in the Revelation, we see that there's only one worthy to take the scroll of God and to open it up, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one to do that. But God is the one who has determined all things, and Christ is the manifesting person in, and the only person that we see that God has ever talked about as a person. Christ is a person that has come to do all the things that God has laid out to do. Mm -hmm. It's in Christ that all things have been revealed, has been worked out, has been accomplished. He's going to be the judgment of God. He was the salvation of God. He is the glory of God. He is the head of His people, the people of God. Jesus Christ is all in all. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. It's Christ we praise. That's why we just sang that song. We praise Christ. We'll praise Christ through all eternity. Who's the one that's going to be sitting on the throne whenever we go to heaven? It's going to be Christ that we see. Who was the one sitting on the throne in the Old Testament when the Old Testament saints seen Him? It was Christ. Isaiah saw him high and lifted up. And who was that? It wasn't an invisible cloud sitting on the throne. It was Jesus. The man, Jesus Christ. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, I got off track a little bit there. Got off my notes. Matthew 21. And I want to reiterate it. For those that's on Facebook that might be watching to go back and watch last week's because I made very clear what we do believe. We do not deny that Jesus is, uh, is less than God. We, we believe that Jesus is fully God. We believe Amen. that He is fully man. He is the God man. We believe that He was born of a virgin. We don't believe that He was just, you know, came as a spirit or something like that, we believe that he was uh, a man and he was born uh, of a virgin. Right. We don't deny that. We believe that he was conceived in the womb of Mary yes. by the Holy Ghost, which we're about to talk about here in just a few minutes. But we need to talk about a few things before we get there. So I went through a bunch of things that we affirm that a lot of people think that we don't affirm because of this teaching. But 
Look in Matthew chapter 1 and, and verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. Now, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll turn there real quick. That is in Isaiah chapter 7. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, off the top of my head, I'm forgetting the, the verse. 14? Yes, verse 14. Isaiah uh, seven fourteen says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. The Lord gave his own sign. Wait a minute, how can you be conceived in a womb and give the sign at the same time? How can Christ be manifested, or how can God be manifested in flesh on earth, but at the same time be in heaven and talking and communicating? The mystery of godliness. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Why do they call his name Emmanuel? Because he's God with us. That's his very name. Is God with us. Yes. Not part of God with us, but all of God with us. Colossians says that all the fullness of the Godhead Amen. dwells in him bodily. Yes. All the fullness. Now the only other place we see that the Godhead is talked about, we see in 1 John 5 9. Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. All those dwell in Christ, who is one. Now, it says that He is God with us. Now, in verse 25 it says, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, there was a reason why his name was called Jesus. Matter of fact, an angel came and told them that they were to name his name Jesus. And that was because he was going to take away the sins of his people. Now, in, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I'm going to hit that here in just a minute because we're going to talk, talk about the birth. But let me go to John chapter 6. Hope this isn't, this is kind of going to be scrambled around like last week, I think. Because I got so many stinking thoughts running through my head and I'm hoping I can kind of rein them all in to be a little coherent. In John chapter 6, and look with me, starting in verse 33. Now this is Jesus in his discourse where he talks about being the bread of life. And it says here, starting in verse 33, or actually I'll start in verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I said unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and give life unto the world. So the bread of God is equated with Christ who came down from heaven. Right? Is that not what that's saying? For the bread of God, and Jesus is the bread of God, is he which cometh down from heaven. So Jesus, as the bread of God, came down from heaven. Okay? It says, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven. Now who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. And he's saying that as God manifested in the flesh. He's saying that as Jesus Christ. He's saying that as the Messiah. He's saying that as the mediator between God and man, he's saying that in the role of Redeemer. Yes. And the and the role of Redeemer is never, ever, ever disassociated outside of the manhood of Christ Jesus. Amen. He said, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He's talking about the servant. Philippians tells us that he didn't think equality with God was robbery. Right. Why? Because he was God. Amen. But yet, as 
inhabiting man, he came as that man and humbled himself and became a servant to what? The will of God. He came and humbled himself as a servant to fulfill the law of God on behalf of his people, to take on the the uh, uh, the payment due for all the sins of his people. He became the su- servant of God in that role. So as that role of servant, he became subservient to God. Yes. And so he came down not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me, is he saying that there's two wills, that Jesus has a will and God has a will, and Jesus' will may be different than God's no. will? Absolutely not. God is not divided. God is unified. Right. There's only one God in his mind. There's uh, What's the verse that just escaped me? Uh, God is of one mind, and who can turn him? He's not of two minds or three minds. Right. He's of one mind. He, he has one will, and Jesus doesn't have a separate will than him. Why? Because Jesus' will is God's will. Amen. Because Jesus is God. Amen. It's just that He is God manifested in the flesh, and He is showing us, we are seeing Him as the servant of God, and He's saying, listen, and remember, these guys didn't believe that He was Jesus, or that He was God, that He was Messiah. Right. They were having a little bit of a problem with this, because He didn't come like they thought He was going to come. He wasn't the Messiah that they were hoping he was going to be. This was a different Messiah with a different agenda than what they thought Messiah was going to do. And so he is, remember, all they knew from the Old Testament is one God. One God. One God. Invisible God. Jehovah. That's all they knew. But yet... Jesus here now, who's claiming to be God, and they're like, hey, this guy's blaspheming. He's claiming to be God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, hey, listen, it isn't, it isn't robbery to call myself God because I am God. Mm-hmm. You know? I am God. And I'm here to do God's will. Yes. See, that's what this is meaning. It's not meaning that Jesus had a separate will than God. So, Jesus came down from heaven in the role of Messiah, Savior, Redeemer. He took on that flesh to fulfill that role. The Word became flesh. The Father indwelt Him. The Spirit indwelt Him without measure. He had all the fullness of the Godhead in that body to perform and to do all that the will of the Father had determined for Him to do. He had all the fullness of the Godhead in Him because God, as God, could not have redeemed man without being man. Because it takes the punishment on man to be the substitute for man. Yes. He had to take on flesh. Now, could God have done it another way? I'm sure He could have. But did He? No. He thought this is the only way. This is the only way. That's why I say this is the only way God could do it. And the reason I say that is because that's the way God did it. Right. If there Amen. was another Amen. way... Amen then God don't know which way to go. Right. Okay? That is the only way. Because God determined it that way. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up to the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. The Jews then murmured at Him, saying... That he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. See, they had a little problem with that. Mm -hmm. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? There again, they said, oh, now they're trying to disassociate him. just saying, he's just a man. He's just a man. Ain't he just a man like us? How can this be God? This can't be God. How can he, uh, and how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Mm -hmm. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that have heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Mm-hmm. Now that it, Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. 
This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat it thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. How many times has he said now, he is the one that has come down from heaven. He came down from heaven. He didn't begin to exist in the womb. He came down from heaven. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give, I will give is my flesh. So now he's telling us, he keeps using this illustration of bread. I'm the bread. I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread from heaven. Now he tells us, what is the bread? And he said, this bread is my flesh. Yes. This flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, there was a purpose and a reason for that flesh. Mm-hmm. A body was prepared for him. Why? Because he had to be flesh. Yes. To die mm-hmm. for sinful flesh. But that flesh came from heaven. Now, did it come through Mary? Absolutely it did. Yes. It came forth through Mary. So Jesus here says that he is the bread of life, that he is the bread that came down from heaven. Now, look, if you would, we'll skip to verse 58. It said, This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Mm. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying, and who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Now, there's some stuff in here. Jesus just taught about election in the previous verses. He also taught about uh, uh, the guarantee that all that was given to him in election would come to him. The success of his uh, salvation would come to everyone that God had given to him. But brethren, the thing that really bothered them was the fact that he was saying that he is the one who came from heaven. Yes. That's what actually was the most offensive to them, is for them to say that you were saying that you came from heaven. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. Mm-hmm. Son of Man refers to him in his manhood. Not in his spirit, invisible, eternal deity. Right. It refers to him in his manhood. The Son of Man will ascend up where he was before. Before what? Before he came down from heaven. It's talking about his manhood. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. People can't believe these things because they're not of God. Jesus said you believe not because you're not of God. Now, do we all believe things at the same time immediately? No, we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But I do believe, brethren, that the Lord will begin to teach his people, begin to show them the truth, and by the Holy Spirit will begin to teach them these things. So Jesus was that flesh that came down from heaven. Now, what does that have to do with Mary, what about Mary? Don't we believe that Mary was, uh, uh, he was born of Mary? Well, absolutely we do. But we must say, and I believe that the scripture bears this out, that even though Jesus was born of a virgin, that the Holy Ghost conceived that manhood, that body, in Mary, Jesus didn't get any of that manhood from Mary. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look with me at verse 46. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Now we're talking about the first Adam and the last Adam here, right? That's what's being talked about here in the 15th chapter of Corinthians. It says, The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Now in John 6, we just seen Jesus himself testified of himself. That's the truth. 
I am the Lord from heaven. I am the bread of life. I am the one who came from heaven. Okay? And the words that I speak are life. I am the life that came from heaven. I am the embodiment of God that have come from heaven. The second Adam. What does the word Adam mean? Man. The first man, the second man. You have the seed of Adam, and all that are in that seed are corrupt. Cannot keep the law of God. Unholy. Unrighteous. All their righteousnesses are filthy rags. But yet from among them people, in that one lump, was also found the people of God who, before the foundation of the world, was chosen. Before the foundation of the world was given to Christ, before the foundation of the world was united in Him and had that life that was hid with with God in Christ, or in Christ with God, Christ was preexistent. We were in Him before the foundation of the Amen. world as His bride, as His as His wife, and just like Adam, who before Eve was manifested and brought forth out of him and shown, he was blessed by God, God said, and he blessed them. Yes. And called their name Adam. Mm -hmm. Have we not been blessed in Christ with all spiritual blessings even before we were made manifest as his children, as his people, or if you want to say collectively, as his wife? We were blessed with him, in him, before it was ever made manifest, why? Because we are united to Him. Amen. He is our head, just like Adam was the head of his wife. And before she... And they called their name Adam. Is not Jesus called our righteousness? Yes. His name is our righteousness, and we are the righteousness of God in Him. Yes. He's our name. Our name is His name. Amen. But it says here, again, getting off track... The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. If Christ, the second man, or the second Adam, was conceived or gained any manhood from Christ, then he too would have been of the earth earthy. So the flesh that came out of heaven came out of heaven and was conceived in the womb of Mary, but it wasn't conceived by Mary because Mary cannot conceive anything without a man. Right, And we know that she had not known a man, according to the scriptures. She had yet not known a man. There have been no relations between her and Joseph. There was no conceiving. She cannot conceive. An egg cannot conceive without a sperm. But yet the body of Christ was conceived in her. In Matthew chapter 1 again, if you go back there. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. says, but while he thought on these things, Matthew chapter 1 verse 20, but while he thought these on these things, this is Joseph, behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, you notice there, it said that which is conceived in her, not by her. Mm -hmm. It says in her. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. It's not of you, Mary. It's not of Joseph. We all obviously know that. But it's not of you. It's of the Holy Ghost. It was conceived. Now, this word conceived here in the Greek is geneo. And it can be translated begot, it can be translated born, it can be translated bear. Mm-hmm. Like to bear, to hold, to carry. It can be translated to bring forth or to be delivered. This thing, that which is brought forth for you to bear is of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. For you to bore or to bear to be born. 
See, there's a difference between conception and birth. Yeah. See, conception is when life begins. Birth is whenever that life that you can't see, but it's there, comes out and right. is made manifest. Right. The man of the manhood of Christ Jesus was made manifest whenever he was born of a virgin. Yes. That's whenever he was who was conceived or was placed and put in and and was and was carried in her womb. But brethren, some may say, well, if that's the case, then he really couldn't have been our he couldn't have been our substitute mm-hmm. because he wasn't really man. Well, mm-hmm. he was man. The Bible says he was man. Yes. But we also know that legally anyone that is born of a woman is that woman's child. Right. Is that man's heir. We see that also in the Old Testament. We see that one brother can come and lay with his dead brother's wife to continue on his brother's seed, mm-hmm. his legacy. Now that didn't come from his brother's seed, it came from this guy's seed. But yet, it being born was considered legally to continue on that line. And so, Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost because Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, of God. He's begotten of God, not Mary. He's begotten of God, but He's begotten of God through Mary. God was the one who made him. But yet Mary was the one who delivered him. But we see we see that through several verses actually whenever it talks about Jesus being born. It says conceived in, not by. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Again, it's of the Holy Ghost. Luke one thirty five, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come unto thee upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That holy thing, if it was of Mary, right. it would have been of the earth earthy. It would have been flesh earthly flesh. That earthly flesh is corrupt from conception. David said that in sin did my mother conceive me. We are estranged from the womb. We're, 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 we're unworthy. We're, we are uh, sinful people. And so if Christ would have been born of anything of Mary... He would have been such himself. In Luke chapter 21, it says, And when eight days were accomplished... Go ahead and turn here, because I want you to actually see this and uh, read this with me. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 21. This is actually one just recently that I've come across, this verse. (coughs) Luke chapter 21, or chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 21. This is whenever Jesus is being presented in the in the temple or being presented before God. Verse 21, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. Now, stop right there. If you remember, the angel had already told him before he was even born yeah. that his name was going to be Jesus. Right. So, as is actually Hebrew custom, they always determine the name before the baby would ever be born. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, we, we kind of do that at the same time, but there's a lot of people that wait until after the child is born and they finally figure out a name that they want to call. But here, as was their custom, a name was determined before the baby was even born. Well, in this case, the angel, the messenger of God came and told them, this is what his name is going to be. You're going to call his name Jesus. Right. But look what it says here. This is something I found interesting. His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
He was given the name Jesus before he was conceived in the womb. Before the, before the Holy Spirit overshadowed him, her. Before he was ever come down from heaven and placed in the womb, he was already called Jesus. He had already assumed that mantle as the Savior. Why? Because there's only one mediator between God and man. The man Jesus Christ. Not the man Jehovah, not the man Father, not the man Word, not the man Holy Spirit, not the man Yahweh, the man Jesus Christ. Yes. And Jesus was that man before he even came into the womb of Mary. Now there's a lot more that I'm sure we can probably develop in that in that vein. But there was, matter of fact, I, I want to keep going, but there's a whole lot of stuff in the Old Testament I want to get to, and I don't have a lot of time to do that. So I think I'll just cut cut it off there, and we'll continue this, uh, Lord willing, next week in the third installment. Uh, and we'll look at Christ in the Old Testament. Because there's quite a few places in the Old Testament where Christ is manifest in God with his people. God among his people and dwelling, or dwelling with his people, not just in his people, but dwelling with, dwelling with his people. And uh, we're going to look at those, Lord willing, next week. There's quite a few of them, actually, uh, and everything uh, that uh, I've come across, um, and some more than just the, uh, uh, some more, more than just the obvious ones, like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jesus being in the fire with them. But anyway, we'll we'll pick up with that, Lord willing, come uh, next Sunday. Anybody got any questions or comments or anything that you'd like to add? Rebuke, correct? Let's bow. We come to you now, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, King of kings. Eternal, immortal, almighty, omniscient, omnipotent. Before anything was, sovereign God, creator. Lord, we're so thankful for the word of God that's been given to us to reveal yourself to us. We thank you, Father, that you have Stoop to sinful man to not only save him but to give him a gaining knowledge of Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for the work that that servant did that Christ Jesus, our Lord, our King, our God manifested himself in flesh took on the form of a servant with the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And that it pleased yourself to bruise him, that he might justify the many. That you might see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. That by his salvation, we too can fellowship and be with God. Lord, we are so grateful. We're so humbled by that. We know that there's nothing in us that is worthy for you to save us, to call us from all eternity as yours, to set your love upon us, to show that love through the death of your Son. There's no way, Lord, that we could ever do anything. For we are dirty, vile, we are sinful people. By nature, Lord, we cannot keep your laws even if we wanted to. Lord, we just know that everything that has been given to us has been given to us by grace. Without grace, we would not be saved. For it is by grace that we are saved through the faith of your Son. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. According to your mercy, yeah. you have saved us. 
You have called us a holy calling. Again, not according to our works, but according to the purpose and grace that you have given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But you have now made it manifest through the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the glorious gospel that you have given us to preach and to proclaim and to believe. Lord, it is only by your mercy and grace that we believe these things to be true and that we believe these things to be ours. We pray for these brethren that are here today. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them. I pray, Lord, that you would built them up in the most holy faith. I pray that Christ has been honored and exalted in our worship today, that the Spirit has aided us in, uh, in coming before you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray the things that I've said is of the truth and that there is no error there. But Lord, as always, I pray that if I do speak error, I pray that you would protect your children from that error and that you would correct me that I might too preach truth and not error. Father, Lord, I am so grateful for the love and the and the and the fellowship that you give among the brethren mm-hmm. to allow us still in this vile nation that we live in to worship together and to proclaim your name. Lord, we know the days are evil. We know that wickedness is is spreading throughout our country, but we know that you are sovereign and in control of all things, and nothing has happened happening that is not according to the purpose of God. We know that you say that in the last days men's hearts will wax worse and worse. And we know that you say before your coming that men's hearts are going to be evil and they're going to devise evil things and that there will be much uh, much evil among us. But Father, we know that whenever you come that no king, no prince, right. no president, no congress, no dictator, no council, no Illuminati, no secret governments, no shadow governments. No one can stay your hand from bringing judgment on this earth. And you will judge rightly, we know. You will judge according to your word. And Father, we know that those that will be taken, they will be taken in pure righteousness and holiness and justice. And those who will be left behind will only be righteous because of your Son. And it is by His grace that we will forever sing, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And so, Father, Lord, we pray that you would be with us now this week as we go, that you might keep us safe until your Son comes again. And may He come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.